0: Hey everyone, post-episode camera here. Uh, This is going to change by the time you actually hear this, and I could have easily just changed it and not done this thing, but I want to let you guys know what happened, because it's actually kind of funny. So, when I first uploaded this episode, I forgot to unmute my intro music, so there's just like 15 seconds of silence at the beginning of this, but it should be fixed now by the time you actually hear this. But I want to let you guys know that I'm a complete yutz, and enjoy the episode. I am your father. Three, two, one. one. Fight, fight, fight. Oh, another week, another podcast episode. Thank you for coming back to Nerd Explosion. Really enjoy your time here. But in case you don't know, Nerd Explosion is a weekly podcast where, based on a monthly theme, I nerd out about whatever I want. And as always, I'm your host, Cameron. There is a lot of hair on this microphone. Uh, give me one second here. And next for my Asper podcast, <laughs> uh, actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I should do a separate podcast just for Asper stuff, but that's not what we're here for today. We are here to talk about Zelda because I made November uh, Legend of Zelda month because I absolutely love Legend of Zelda. Uh, I got the idea from Peanut Butter Gamer and just, you know, it's what better time to talk about Legend of Zelda than the month of November. I already did two episodes, basically you like an overview of all the games. Uh, last episode, I did my favorite themes and this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the Zelda spin-off games, stuff that's not necessarily part of the main series. I mean, a couple of them are, but those I'm saving for last. But also, I'm going to apologize if my voice sounds weird or any bodily functions you hear. I have been sick for the past like week. It's it's very terrible. I've tried everything. I've just tried, <laughs> I tried taking as much cold medicine as I could. It's just nothing's really getting that much better. But... I wanted to, I still wanted to get an episode out, so today, like I said, we're talking about Zelda spinoff games uh, before I get started. Reminder that new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, so make sure you like, follow, click all the things, do all the things and do all the stuff. Click any bells you might see, because every time a bell rings, an angel gets a free bucket of wins from KFC. <laughs> but with that being said, actually, before we get started, I want to share with you guys this meme that I found. Uh, it was posted on r slash Zelda by Little Korok and <laughs> it's basically like be like the ultimate Zelda game and it's called The Legend of Zelda Adventures of A Link to the Breath of the Wind Waking Twilight Heroes Between Majora's Phantom Starward charts of Time's Awakening Cap of Ages. <laughs> I would absolutely play that game but we're not here to talk about memes and all that stuff. We're here to talk about Zelda spin-off games. There have been a lot of games that not necessarily have been part of the the main series so to speak there's been a lot of like other zelda games <laughs> to name a few and yes i am going to be talking about those zelda games uh, first one i want to talk about is Link's crossbow training Link's Crossbow Training released in 2007 and was essentially a launch title to go with the Wii Zapper, which is the great-grandson of the NES Zapper, which was a light gun used for the original Nintendo that was used for games like Duck Hunt. Link's Crossbow Training was an on-rails shooter, basically meaning like you stand in one spot and you shoot a bunch of stuff around the screen or whatever. It was an on-rails shooter... And it essentially served as a side story to Twilight Princess, using the same graphics and settings and whatnot. During development of Link's Crossbone Training, one person actually had an idea to include bosses in the game, but Miyamoto was just like, nah, nah, we ain't gonna do that. But ultimately, he did give in and included two bosses in the game, that being the Darknut and the Lord. Like I said, this is all from Twilight Princess, so everything, all the settings and all the enemies and everything are straight from Twilight Princess. It's basically they took everything from Twilight Princess and just just mashed it into this this uh, little shovelware spinoff game. And the only reason they made this game is because they wanted to they made the Wii Zapper and they wanted to get it out to people and they're like, oh we need a game for this. Like what do we do? And they're just like, oh Twilight Princess just came out recently. Let's make a game based off of that. So Link's trustbow training. While the game did sell pretty well, with, you know, 2.7 million copies sold worldwide by September 2008, reviews of the game were mixed. Most people praised the controls and the integration of the zapper, but it was also, they criticized it because of how short the game was. I mean, what can you expect from a game built off of Twilight Princess where you literally stand in one spot and shoot enemies with a crossbow? I never owned this game, but... I'm sure I would have enjoyed it, you know, given that Twilight Princess is my favorite Zelda game of all time. If I haven't said it enough already. Uh, from what I've seen, gameplay, you know, it seems like a nice distraction. So, I would definitely I would definitely pick up Lynch's Crossbow Training if I had the choice. The choice? The chance. God, English, Cameron. Learn to speak it. But yeah, Link's Crossbow Training. Short little game. Next game I want to talk about, or next couple games I want to talk about. You guys remember Tingle? You know the weird grown man from Majora's Mask who believes he was a fairy. The same guy who, in Wind Waker, you bust out of jail and then he forces his brothers to do manual labor. Yeah, he got some games of his own too. Those games being freshly picked Tingle's Rupee or sorry, freshly picked Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land and ripened Tingle's Balloon Trip of Love. With the first one coming out in 2006 and the other one 2009. Both of them only released in Japan and Europe, so America never saw them. And while they did feature some of the same gameplay as the main Zelda series, the main point of the game was to collect as many rupees as possible, so Tingle could travel to rupee land, which is said to be like the ultimate paradise. I never played these games, I mean, obviously, because I neither live in Japan or Europe. But uh, let me tell you, from what I've seen, it's weird, man. These games are weird, but I mean, what else can you expect from Tingle? Uh, Yeah, there's not much more I can say in these games. Just I never played them, but just look up gameplay of them. Just do uh, Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land, and I'm sure you'll find a bunch of videos talking about it. I think there's actually, I I don't know if, I don't don't remember if Peanut Butter Gamer actually put up something about it, but like I said, look them up. They're weird games. The next game I want to bring up, and this is something I actually just learned about, the BS Legend of Zelda series. And no, I'm not calling them bullshit. The BS Legend of Zelda series was a group of games made for the BSX add-on for the Super Nintendo that used to work with the Japan-only Satellaview, which was a way for Japanese players to access a network to be able to play certain games at a certain time of day. Essentially, these games were remixes or remakes of the original Zelda, but instead of playing as Link, players get to play as, like, their own personal avatar. And these were available between 1995 and 2000, and consisted of three games. There was BS Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets, and Triforce of the Gods. Uh, obviously, I never played these games because I am neither Japanese nor did I live in Japan 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 nor did I live in Japan between nineteen ninety-five and two thousand, though sometimes I wish I had. Why must I'm life so be unfair? unfair. <laughs> but yeah, there's actually there are pretty good games, you know, a lot of interactivity. They were actually some of the first games to experiment with voice acting before the the dreaded CDI games, which brings me to our next games the CDI games I can't I couldn't do an episode talking about spin-off games without talking about the CDI games infamous for their terrible cutscenes terrible voice acting terrible pretty much everything the CDI games were made by Philips Interactive who are also responsible for the also infamous meme fest hotel mario you know hotel mario where he's like "hey luigi it's a letter from bowser" I forget what Luigi's voice in that was, but yeah, Mario. Mario wasn't the whole like "woohoo, let's go." He was all like, "Hey, Luigi, we gotta save the princess." But you know, enough about Mario. We're not we're not here to stroke Mario's well grimmed mustache. The first two Zelda CDI games, Link: The Faces of Evil and Zelda: The Wand of Gamelon, released in October of 1993, and these are the ones that most people are familiar with. You know, the ones where Link is like, gee, I wonder what Ganon's up to. There's just, oh my god, like seriously, look up all the cutscenes. They're just, they're amazing. Uh, the third game, actually, the 3rd CDI game, Zelda's Adventure, was a bit of a departure from the previous titles. God, I can't speak English today. Zelda's Adventure was a bit of a departure from the previous titles as it featured real-life actors. It was a little more serious, too, and it also featured a top-down perspective rather than the previous 2D side scrolling This game, along with Wand of Gamelon, were actually the first Zelda games, quote-unquote, where you actually played as Zelda, where in both games you were tasked with saving Link. Now, would I ever pick any of these up and play them? Hell no. Do I have a love for them? Hell yes. They're so bad, it's entertaining. Like, you can't help but watch. It's like watching a vine compilation now. It's cringy as hell, but you just can't look away. Actually, what I love, what I love watching is, uh, there's this channel, Game Grumps. If you don't know them, check them out. They actually played all of the, uh, CDI games, like, in a row. Like, I think they started with Faces of Evil, and then went to Wand of Gamelon, and then did Zelda's Adventure. I love watching their playthrough of it. It's hilarious. Like, their reactions to the cutscenes and everything. It's hilarious. But, yeah, the CDI games, they're so infamous for being just terrible. But, I enjoy watching them. I enjoy watching them because they're so bad. But, yeah, I could not do this episode without talking about the CDI games. And now, I saved the best for last. And, of course, my neighbors upstairs are going to start drilling stuff as soon as I get to the end of this episode. Which... Looking, looking at my time, I did not realize I made this kind of a short episode, but I wanted to make it a little more concise because I'm experimenting with, you know, shorter episodes because, you know, a lot of people want to be in and out with some podcasts. Most people don't have the time to sit there and listen to it like an hour and a half long podcast. But anyways, I saved the best spin off games for last. If Snapchat can calm down for a second, it's all my friends too. All my friends. Want to all of a sudden send a bunch of different Snapchaps, Snapchaps, Snapchats all at the same time? But anyway, getting back on topic. The games that I save for last are the Hyrule Warriors games. Now, if you've ever heard of Dynasty Warriors, then you know how Hyrule Warriors play. But for those that live underneath a rock. Dynasty Warriors are hack and slash games where you fight a bunch of en- enemies at once and then you take control of different parts of a map, usually ending with a boss fight. Many games have copied this formula, most notably One Piece, Pirate Warriors, and Hyrule Warriors. By the way, I talked about this in my One Piece month, but if you haven't played Pirate Warriors, I highly recommend it. It is a really good game. I really like it. Especially if you're a fan of either Dynasty Warriors or One Piece or both. Now, the funny thing is, One Piece Pirate Warriors actually helped inspire the creation of Hyper Warriors because somebody at Nintendo was actually playing through Pirate Warriors around the time they came up with the idea. Now, the, uh, the first Hyper Warriors game released in 2014 for the Wii U, and it follows the story of the big-titty goth girl known as Sia who sets out to revive Ganondorf after his soul was split into four fragments long ago. She is easily influenced by Ganondorf as he uses her desire for Link against her. You end up teaming up with her other half, Lana, who, by the way, is, you know, just the other half of her. I say other half because she's literally her other half. They're like, they were the same person at one point, but they get split apart. Anyway, that's not important to the main plot. What ends up happening is at one point, Lada opens up a portal to bring in heroes from throughout all of Hyrule's history to aid Link in Zelda and Daphne Danidorf. So that includes, like, Minda from Toilet Princess, uh, the Kane from Wind Waker. She just basically opens up, like, dimensional portals and brings in a bunch of characters from other Zelda games. Now, when I was doing research, Wikipedia said that this game was outside the timeline, but I have to disagree. I actually think... This game can explain why a bunch of different races exist at the same time in Breath of the Wild. Because the Rito race, or the Rito race, I should say, are supposed to have evolved from the Zoras, yet they both exist in Breath of the Wild. You know, maybe due to the events of Hyrule Warriors, a bunch of different races decided to stay in Hyrule. Like they came in through the portals and decided to, you know, to stay there after you know everything was said and done. It could also explain why we see all kinds of different Zelda locations from different games on Breath of the Wild. It's not a concrete, you know, thought, but something to think about, something to, something to ponder. It's just a theory. A, a game theory. Now, the second Hyper Warrior Games, on the other hand, is definitely canon. Dorf. <laughs> Someone kill me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was released in the glorious year of 2020 for the Nintendo Switch it had the same gameplay as the first Hyrule Warriors but this one follows a more familiar story this game it takes place during the events of Breath of the Wild and also before the events of Breath of the Wild it starts off you're in the during the Great Calamity, where Hyrule is being destroyed by Ganon and his evil forces, you know, he's he's used his malice to infect uh, the Guardians, which were built by the Royal Family, to help, you know, protect them. But Ganon, you know, he possessed them, basically, and turned them against the Royal Family, and used them to destroy Hyrule during what is called the Great Calamity. Now, there's a little Guardian that Zelda made, and essentially had as a pet, or like a toy, named Terrico she you know Terrico built by Zelda during this whole thing awakens and looks out the castle window to see all the destruction that's going on and decides to open up a time portal into the past to warn Princess Zelda of the impending doom you know what is gonna become of Hyrule but as he was leaping through the time portal some of Ganon's malice snuck in with him which attached itself to past Terrico and this is important because there is a character called Esther, which is one of the main, basically one of the, the other main antagonists in Age of Calamity. Uh, he's a mysterious seer and aligns with the Yiga Clan to bring Calamity to all of Hyrule. Now, to explain the Yiga Clan, the Yiga Clan were Sheikas that decided to turn against the Royal Family and side with Ganon. But the Yiga Clan, at the end of the game, at the end of Age of... Uh, <coughs> at the end of Age of Calamity, end up siding with Zelda, because obviously they see they were betrayed by Aster. But Aster, along with the now-corrupted past Teriko, or Teriko, was able to actually, you know, gain a lot of power that he wouldn't have previously done if Teriko, from the future, had not time-traveled. But, either way, ultimately, with the knowledge from the future... And somehow, the Guardians of the Future time-traveling to help the Guardians of the Past, Zelda uses this knowledge to not only successfully fight off Ganon this time, but bring peace to Hyrule and all of its people. This game is interesting because it actually creates two separate timelines, and this is all, this I got from a Zeltic video, which I'll put a link to the video in the description because... He's just, he really goes in depth. He's amazing. Definitely go check him out. He does a lot. He's like my go-to guy for uh, Zelda theories. But anyway, Age of Calamity creates two separate timelines. We have the normal timeline, which Terrico leaves, which give us g- leads to the events of Breath of the Wild, where Hyrule is destroyed and everything. Basically, there's the timeline that Terako left, where Ganon succeeds in destroying Hyrule, leading to Link being put to sleep for a hundred years and Zelda having to hold Ganon back that whole time. And then what we have, we have what I like to call the Savior timeline, where the Great Calamity was prevented. Again, look at the video in the description. There's, it really goes in depth with everything. Uh, Obviously, this would put Age of Calamity before Breath of the Wild, but as far as where, like, the first Hyrule Warrior game gets put in the Zelda timeline that's actually a topic for another day uh, with that I know this was kind of a short video and really concise but like I said I, I'm still pretty sick and I didn't want to do much talking I wanted to kind of give myself a little break but yeah that's a lot of the Zelda spin games there's a lot more I could talk about but that's just you know that's the ones I felt like talking about today if you guys want to give me any suggestions for any other ones to talk about or, you know, let me know what your favorites are. Or if you just want to say hi, link in the link tree in the description to all my social medias. But with that being said, I'm going to I'm gonna close this episode out before I forget how to speak English entirely. I hope you guys enjoyed this video, video, episode. You're not watching this. You're listening to this. God, I need a I I need a break. God. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys drink plenty of liquids and all that. Stay hydrated. I've been Cameron. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one. Nerd,
1: Nerd.